Tzaddik, his life. 140.14 The time the Rebbe gave us his manuscript of the lesson, Nine Tikunim, in Likutei Moharan 120. We were standing around him, and he tore out the pages containing the lesson from his book to give them to us for copying. The beginning of the lesson was written starting in the middle of the page, which had also another lesson in it that he did not want to give us for copying. He had to dictate the beginning of Lesson 20 to me word by word. I sat by him, writing while he read. As he was reading, he became very excited. His face was flushed and shining. He had stopped for a moment. For us, the experience was amazing. Afterward, he told us it was the evening of his mother's yurtzeit, the 19th of Adar. He had forgotten and had not lit a candle or said Kaddish. That year was a leap year, and the yurtzeit in Adar is observed on both months of Adar. During the writing of this lesson, his mother came to him and reminded him of the yurtzeit. He immediately called a minyan, a prayer quorum, and learned from the Mishnah, said Kaddish, and lit a candle for her. In the morning, he also called a minyan to his room and led the prayers right through to the end of the morning service, saying the Kaddish himself without a single exemption. Then he learned from the Mishnah and said the Kaddish de Rabbanan. He afterwards said that he had never in his life led the prayers. There was also other things that took place on this occasion. As far as I could grasp then, it was relevant that the little girl had been called Fege after the Rebbe's mother. The Torah 9 Tikunim relates to the concept of the departure of the soul from which Torah explanations derive a soul which suffers bitterness. I would venture that there was a significance to the fact that it was just when we were busy with this Torah that his mother's soul came to him. His mother was a great tzedeket, and I once heard the Rebbe say that she had immense Ruach HaKodesh, spiritual powers. All this contains the highest mystical significance. For all the things that the Rebbe said and all the stories we tell about him, there is nothing which does not contain the most awesome and exalted secrets. Deep, deep, who will find it? Amok, amok, mim tsaenu. This applies especially to what befell his holy offspring. For his children come into the category of what is higher than the 600,000 souls of Israel. That is why the things that befell them happened. May God forbid such things in the future and let the surviving remnant be blessed with long life for them and their offspring until the end of all generations. Amen. His Wisdom 24 The level of those who help support a true tzaddik is very great and precious. This can be understood by means of a parable. Once, there was a son who became separated from his father. The son greatly yearned for his father, and the father for his son. Eventually, the father decided to visit his son. At the same time, the son made up to visit his father. They began to travel toward each other, and, as they came closer, their yearning grew more and more. They continued to travel toward each other until they were separated by just a few short miles. The father began to feel such great longing for his son that he realized he would not be able to endure it for the last few miles. 
the son also realized that he could no longer hold back his emotions. If he continued for the last few miles, he would be so overcome by his longing that he would literally die. They both decided to cast aside their yearning and put it out of their mind. Just at that moment, a coach came along and swiftly brought the son to his father. Imagine the tremendous joy that the driver brings both the father and the son who longed so much. A tzaddik is like the son of God. There is still a barrier separating him from his father. God has great longing for the tzaddik, just as the tzaddik yearns to return and come close to God. They continue to approach each other until they are separated by just a very short distance. Their yearning becomes so great that they both realize they cannot endure it. They both decide to put their longing out of mind. God says, Is this my only task? Do I not have many worlds? The tzaddik also says, Is this yearning my only duty? Do I not have many other necessary ways of serving God, such as with talit, tfilin, and other mitzvot? So they both agree to set aside their yearning. Just at that moment, a Jew comes along driving a coach. He brings the tzaddik his livelihood, and thereby brings him closer to God, for a tzaddik eats to satisfy his soul. This is the concept of, he will satisfy your soul with splendor. Through the livelihood that the Jew brings to him, the tzaddik eats and attains the light of splendor. This splendor causes the barrier to vanish, allowing the tzaddik to approach God. The person who supports a true tzaddik is thereby responsible for the immeasurable joy when the tzaddik is able to be close to God. Improper Thoughts A. Anyone who has evil thoughts should always look to find the good in others. A person's tears cause him to view all passions with contempt. When a person does not believe in the tzaddik, his heart is not right with God. Wearing a gartel, a belt, for prayer, once worn by a tzaddik, is a sigula for dispelling improper thoughts. Falsehood defies the holy brit, the brit kodesh. If after being prideful for having sanctified himself, a person breaks that pride, he will attain and acquire the Torah. Crying out to God eliminates distracting thoughts. Studying the four sections of the Shulchan Aruch eliminates distracting thoughts. Thinking about a Torah insight that you originated is a sigula for eliminating undesirable thoughts. A person who has unholy thoughts should speak to himself in a degrading way. Eating and drinking make the mind sluggish. Anger brings to idolatrous thoughts. Idolatrous thoughts plague a person who shows disrespect for the Jewish festivals. Sitting in the company of promiscuous people or in a place where an immoral act was performed leads one to unholy thoughts. The evil inclination desires only what is forbidden to it. All the passions contain an element of God's loving kindness. 3. All this is connected to the spiritual nature of the hair, specifically to how the illuminations of the mind go out through the hairs.
For the upper intellect, which is the actual perception of godliness, is dressed up in the lower intellect. The hairs, se'arot, which correspond to the lower intellect, as they receive from the brain, that is, the upper intellect, are analogous to the precise measures and shapes, shiura, of the letters of the Torah. For the mitzvot express the wisdom of the Creator. Each and every mitzvah has different measures and parameters, as well as different letters, words, and themes that are constrictions in which the wisdom of the Creator is contracted. Thus, the mitzvot are like garments which dress up the Creator's wisdom, by which it is possible to grasp perceptions of godliness. And each letter of the Torah and each mitzvah is one of these constrictions. Therefore, through the fulfillment of the Torah and mitzvot, a person brings down perceptions of godliness. Copier's note. Following the words of the Mishnah, the laws of Shabbat, festival offerings, and the embezzlement of sacred property are like mountains hanging on a hair. Rabbi Ovadia of Bartanura explains this to mean that these laws each hang upon a tiny hint in the scriptures, like a mountain hanging upon the hairs of the head. 4. Now, the only way to attain this lower intellect is by despising monetary gain. In other words, a person must absolutely abhor money. The explanation for this is that the lower intellect corresponds to black hair and to the pupil of the eye, namely, to the black part of the eye, alluded to in the verse, I am black but beautiful. For the nature of blackness is that it gathers together and constricts all large objects, which then become included in it and can be seen within it. And in this way, we see and grasp that which we see. The lower intellect corresponds to and possesses this quality of blackness in that it constricts within itself the beauty of the upper intellect. Black hair and despising monetary gain are from the side of malchut. Furthermore, the lower intellect corresponds to malchut in that it is the lowest level of wisdom present in each of the spiritual worlds, and it is also the wisdom that directs each particular world. But through the love of money, a person falls to the blackness of the other side, which is Saturn, a black earthen vessel, and depression, as in, in sorrow shall you eat. He then falls from this intellect into mad foolishness, folly, and depression, and the forces of impurity and the other side surround him with the encirclements of the other side. This is all alluded to in the verse, the people wandered around Shatu and gathered it, that is, in their foolishness, Bishtuta. This foolishness, whereby a person wanders around chasing after money, is the exact opposite of wisdom. The Sophisticate and the Simpleton There was, however, a problem in finding a simple person in the capital city, where most people are very sophisticated. But there was one person who was especially simple, the man in charge of the treasuries. It isn't desirable to put a sophisticated person in charge of the treasuries, 
since he could use his sophistication and shrewdness to embezzle. Therefore, a particularly simple person was placed in charge of the treasuries. The king summoned a sophisticated man and the simple man, who was the treasurer, and sent them to the two sons. He also gave them letters to give to the governor of the district, where the two sons resided. In his letter, he ordered that the governor send notes to the sophisticate and the simpleton in his name, so that they not be afraid. The governor should write them that this was not a particularly important affair, and the king was not actually ordering them to come. It was up to them, and if they wanted, they could come. However, the king wished to see them. The sophisticate messenger and the simple one both set off, and they came to the governor, giving him the letters. The governor asked him about these two sons, and they told him that they had been informed that the sophisticate was extraordinarily brilliant and very wealthy. The simpleton, on the other hand, was extremely simple, and he used a sheepskin for whatever garment he needed. The governor decided that it would certainly not be proper to bring the simpleton to the king wearing a sheepskin. He therefore had proper clothes made for him and placed them in the simple messenger's coach. He gave the messengers the letters that the king had ordered. Repeating one word. It is very important to meditate and to express one's thoughts before God each day. If one cannot speak at all, then he should say a single word, and this is also very good. If one can say only one word, he should remain mentally strong and repeat that word over and over again countless times. He can spend many days meditating with that word, and that in itself is very good. If he is persistent and repeats that word countless times, God will have mercy and open his mouth so that he will be able to express his thoughts. Speech has a very great power. If one knows how, he can say a word to a gun so that it will not shoot. Understand this. It would be great if a person could spend the entire day meditating. However, not every person can do this. Therefore, it is mandatory that a person spend at least a few hours each day in meditation. If one's mind is strong and he wants to accept upon himself the true yoke of God, he must spend the entire day in meditation. This is alluded to in the Talmudic saying, if only a person would pray all day long. Letter number 66. With thanks to God, Monday, Yitro, 5592, Kremenchug. My dear son, may he live. Greetings to you and your wife and children. May God watch over you, and may he give you long lives, full of true and enduring good. Amen. May it be his will. I have received two letters from you, and they pleased me very much. But I have absolutely no time to answer them right now, because I need to travel to Turin today. With God's help. I was all ready, as I wrote to you, to leave here on Wednesday of Bisharach, but it was the will of heaven that I remain here until now. I do not know what to write to you, but your great love and intense longing to hear words of truth through my letters compel me to set down what God sends to my pen. I already wrote to you in the aforementioned letter that the world is full of cries and groans without number, 
and they are all crying money. Everyone has his own special cry, as if his needs are greater than everyone else's. The bitterness is so harsh that their souls nearly leave them. Even the fact that they are alive is a miracle. But vitality is supplied to them wondrously from the covenant of salt, the tzaddik, without which the bitterness of the world would be unbearable. Remember this well. Because the more a person is aware that the essence of his vital sustenance is from the tzaddik, who is the foundation of the world, and who is constantly sweetening the world's bitterness, the more he draws holy vitality over himself and sweetens the bitterness of his life. Certainly, the closer a person is to the tzaddik and the fuller his belief in him, the more his bitterness is sweetened. We must rejoice over this all the time, and we must cast our burdens upon God and rely on Him. All He does is for the best. Strive constantly with Torah and prayer and stay joyful with all the practices and suggestions that you have heard. Study them over and over. I am so preoccupied with all I have to do that my mind is not clear enough to go on. May God have mercy on you, and may he sweeten and annul for you and your family all the harsh judgments. May he open the way for you at all times to serve him eagerly, cheerfully, and in gratitude for everything good that you have. The words of your father who desires and longs for your eternal success, Natan of Breslov. Warm and loving greetings to all your companions. Letter number 300. With God's help, before dawn, Monday, Bishalach, 5600, Breslov. My dear beloved son, I received your letter on Friday. While I have already heard your cry many times now, and I have already answered you a great deal, both in person and in writing, I still feel for you, and I lift my eyes toward heaven in the hope that I can encourage you with words of truth. Therefore, I decided now to put pen to paper in a letter to you, even though I have yet to receive a letter from you this week. In addition, I have no idea what to write to you, but there is no study hall without a new idea, particularly when it comes to the words of our master, teacher, and Rebbe of holy sainted memory, which are deeper than the sea and constantly fresh and new. To get to the point, judging from your words and from your bitter lament, it appears that you have already forgotten, God forbid, the holy lesson of the teaching, Azamra. I will sing to God with what I have left. Or else it has become so hackneyed for you that you do not use it to encourage and inspire yourself the way you should. Thus, after reading your letter, I was stirred to review and remind you about the lovely truth and holiness of this lesson along with a few other lessons and holy conversations which are related to it. The main thing is to apply them straightforwardly and anew every day. On the contrary, when a person looks at himself and reckons that the deep waters are flooding him on every side and almost, 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 God forbid, this is precisely the time that a person has to remind himself all the words of this lesson. Nonetheless, he must say, there is still good points in me from a number of mitzvot 
and good deeds that I already have done. Bnei Shimon, Nemuel, Yariv, Zerach, Shalom, Mivsam, Mishma, Chamuel, Zakur, Shimi, Meshovav, Yamlech, Yosha, Ben Amatia, Yoel, Yehu, Ben Yoshivia, Ben Seraya, Ben Asiel, Elio Enai, Yaakova, Ishochaya, Asaya, Adiel, Shimiel, Naya, Ziza ben Shifi, ben Alon, ben Yadaya, ben Shimri, ben Shemaya, Felatia, Nearaya, Refaya, Uziel, bnei Ishi, bnei Reuven, Yoel, Shemaya, Gog, Shimi, Micha, Reaya, Baal, Be'era, Ye'iel, Zechariahu, Bela ben Aziz, ben Shema, ben Yoel. Bnei Gad, Yoel Arosh, Shafam Hamishne, Yanai, Shafat, Babashan, Michael, Meshulam, Sheva, Yorai, Yakan, Zia, Ever, Avichail, Churi, Yaroach, Gilad, Michael, Yeshishai, Yachdo, Buz, Achi, Avdiel, Guni, Efer, Ishi, Eliel, Azriel, Irmeya, Hodavia, Yachdiel. Bene Aaron Akohen, Avishua, Buki, Uzi, Zerachia, Merayot, Amaria, Achitov, Sadok, Achimaatz, Azaria, Yohanan, Shalom, Chilkia, Seraya, Yehotzadak. 1. Prayer 49. God, you who are the rock of my heart and the holy rock of all worlds, creator of the universe, master of every deed and every soul, you who know all hidden things, you know my heart. You know the intensity of the holy fire. Your light pours through my heart. Because I am a portion of God from above, and your presence resides in my heart. Therefore my heart sings within me and resonates like a harp. My flesh and my heart have all but expired. Rock of my heart, my portion is God forever. My soul yearns to exhaustion for the courtyards of Hashem. My heart and flesh sing to God of my life. Many waters cannot extinguish the leaping flames of my heart that yearn for you, nor can the rivers overflow it, for the light of my heart is connected to your great and endless light. The flame of my heart is infinite. There is no end to my yearning for you. I desire you intensely and without measure. The depth of the infinite light of the flame might not allow me to serve you because it is a flame with the desire to cleave to you and to be absorbed into you forever. Through your holy sages, you reveal to us that this is not what you intended when you created us. You know that we are flesh and blood and cannot cleave to you unceasingly. Therefore, you desire our service through our good deeds. And for that, we came down to this lowly world to serve you 
with Torah and perform its commandments. You have decreed that we may not break through the barriers beyond our abilities to come to you. We may not let the fire burn for you beyond its proper measure. We must constrict the light of the fervor in our heart and make hollow in our heart. As the verse states, My heart is empty within me. Then we can picture in our hearts all good and holy traits and accept the yoke of your service. Walk in your good ways, cleave to your holy traits, and serve you in a measured, graduated fashion. In this way, we accept the yoke of the kingdom of heaven and reveal your sovereignty to everyone. And that was your intent in creating man, to reveal your sovereignty to the world. Redemption now. And so I come to you, Hashem, my God, the God of my fathers, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, God of all the truths that he came, God of the first and the last, God of the entire Jewish people. Arouse your compassion and love for me. As blemished and confused as I am, teach me and guide me to know how to act, how to constrict the light in a graduated, measured fashion, in accordance with your desire. For you know that I must yearn for you always, long for you in truth, and run after you, like a mighty man running upon the track. Yet I have lost days and years in vanity and emptiness, cast away from you. What can I say to you, you who dwell in the heights? What can I tell you, you who make your habitation in the heavens? I do not have the mouth to speak or the arrogance to lift my head. There is no way out of these areas where I have been trapped by many, many sins in a graduated and orderly fashion. I must escape quickly and run with all my might. I must rush to save my life and not even look behind me. I cannot delay even for a moment. Arouse your true compassion for me, hidden within you. Bring me out quickly with your strong arm. Lift me on the wings of eagles and swiftly bring me to serve you. My hope in you is not at an end, for the mercies of Hashem have no end. His compassion has not ceased. Still, I must constrict the light of the flame of my heart, my Father in heaven, for you know how many blemishes I am affected with, because my fervor has overflowed its banks. I am a beast and do not know. I have been an animal with you. And so I come before you, my Father and Master, Redeemer of Israel, and my Holy One, the rock of my heart, I cast myself onto you. I give my body and soul to you alone. In your hand do I deposit my spirit. You have saved me, Hashem. To you, Hashem, do I lift my soul. I give my entire heart to you alone. Hashem, direct me on your path so that I will walk in your truth. Direct my heart to fear your name. Guide me and teach me how to deal with my yearnings for you and how to constrict my fervor so that I will come to truly repent and walk upon your holy paths and cling to your good traits. May I always accept the yoke of the sovereignty of heaven with love and desire, awe and fear, holiness and purity, and to serve you in a graduated, measured fashion in accordance with your desire.